0: This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries, Hey, friend, this is Rick Renner, and today we're going
1: to continue our message, which I preach at the Eagle Mountain International Church in Texas, which is pastored by George and Terry Pearson. You know, it's not very often that Denise and I get to the United States. We live in Moscow. This is coming to you from Moscow, Russia. But because we so enjoyed these services at Eagle Mountain, we wanted to share them with you. And today I'm going to describe a spirit of fear and how it gets a grip of you and how you can command it to release its grip on your life. God does not want you to live with a spirit of fear and you can be free of it. That's why I want you to order the two-part series, which is called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself In troubled times. My friend, you can do it. And it comes with a wonderful study guide. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the midst of difficult situations. This entire book is based on what I preached in this service, which you're going to be seeing today. But order all of these by going online or by giving us a call. And when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you because we're waiting for the phone to ring right now or for your email to show up in our inbox. And just like Jesus said, where two or three of you will agree together, touching anything I'll do, it. we will agree in faith, and Jesus will really do what you need to be done in your life. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to begin praying with you. But right now, let's return to the live service at Eagle Mountain International Church, where I continue to deal with the subject, how you can overcome a spirit of fear.
0: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
1: Can you imagine giving all the power in the world to your 16-year-old and telling him that he was a god and there was nothing that was wrong for him to do? And Nero became the 16-year-old emperor of the Roman Empire. And he was told by his mother, you're God, you're God, you're God, you're God. He began to embrace his own divinity and began to eliminate anyone who would disagree with him. So first of all, he had his teacher, Seneca and Lucia killed. Then he began to have members of the Roman Senate killed. And then he got tired of his mother's manipulation. So he had his mother killed. And when he had his mother killed, finally he was free to be everything that he always dreamed he could be. And Nero believed, he really believed, that he was the greatest musician that had ever lived. He believed he was the greatest actor that had ever lived. So even though it was not permitted for Roman emperors to perform, he began to perform on the stage and sing. And history said his singing was just horrific. But people couldn't leave his performances because if they got up and walked out, they would be killed. And there's actually one record of a woman who was so pregnant, she gave birth to her baby in his concert because she was afraid to walk out. He believed he was the greatest architect that had ever lived. And so he wanted to design himself a new home. And he would call it the Golden Palace. A house completely veneered in mother of pearl, which was then to be covered with gold leaf. And that's why it was called the Golden Palace. And the house that he wanted to build was 300 acres So if you think you know of somebody with a big house, nobody has a big house. (laughs) But there was a problem. Where he wanted to build his house was the most ancient section of Rome. So he went to the Roman senators and said, I want to tear down this section of Rome. I want to build my palace. And they said, Nero, you may think that you're God, but we're not going to let you tear down our houses for you to build your palace. So he went to his village just out on the outsides of Rome called his servants and said, I want you to go into the main circus in the city of Rome. I want you to set a fire when people are not there and they don't know what's happening. And they obeyed him. And the embers began blowing in the air. And soon the entire city of Rome was on fire. And by the time the fires had gone out, the section where Nero wanted to build his house was in complete rubble. And finally he could construct his dreams. And he began constructing his 300-acre house. And rumors began to circulate throughout the city of Rome that it was Nero who instigated the fire. So the Roman Senate called him for his own trial and his own execution. And while he was en route to the Senate, he conceived And when he finally sat in front of the Senate and they brought their charges against him, he said, how could you think that I, Nero, would burn down my beloved city of Rome? I can tell you who did this. My spies have brought me information. And then the Senate said, tell us who burned down the city of Rome. And Nero said, Christians, this new group, this sect in our town, they have burned down the city of Rome. They said, tell us what you know about these Christians. And he brought five allegations, which were partially true, and they also were untrue. And this was the beginning of fake news. (laughs) There's nothing new, my friends. Nothing new. You think transgenderism is new? No. Do you know to be a priest in the cult of Sybil in the city of Smyrna, you could only be a priestess if you started as a man. You had to go through a surgical procedure to have all your male anatomy removed and you had to become a woman to be a priestess in the temple of Sibyl, which means the first century church had to deal with transgenderism. There's nothing new under the sun. We can handle anything. The church is anointed to deal with it all. But Nero said, number one, Christians are lawbreakers. They do not have permission to meet, yet they are meeting in underground secret meetings. And to a degree, that was true. Because you couldn't meet as a group unless you had the express approval of the emperor. He never gave it. So every time they met together, they were breaking the law. But they had to make the same choice, which we may have to make. Do we obey the law of man, or do we obey the law of God? The law of God said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. The law said you may not meet. They had to decide which law they were going to obey, and they chose to submit to the higher law. And because they submitted to God, they violated Roman law. So to a degree, they were lawbreakers, but they were obeying the law of God. Secondly, he said, in their underground illegal meetings, they're talking about another king and another kingdom. And of course, they were talking about the kingdom of God and King Jesus. But he made it appear as if they were subverters of government. Doesn't that sound familiar to what people are saying in our own time? Number three, he said, in their illegal underground meetings... THEY PRACTICED SOMETHING CALLED THE LOVE FEAST. AND HE alleged THAT CHRISTIANS WERE SEXUAL PERVERTS. WELL, FOR YOU TO UNDERSTAND HOW BAD THIS ALLEGATION MUST HAVE BEEN, NERO WAS MARRIED TO TWO MEN. He was as twisted sexually as one could be. So, for a sexually twisted person to accuse somebody else of being sexually twisted, what in the world did he say about them? But he said, in their illegal underground meetings where they're talking about another king and another kingdom, they're having orgies of the worst kind, and that's not all. He said, Christians are cannibals, the leaders of their sect. Jesus of Nazareth said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And in their illegal underground meetings, they are eating flesh and drinking blood, which of course was communion. But he was so effective with this charge. The church had to fight rumors of cannibalism for 200 years after that. Again, fake news. And lastly, he said, I don't know how you think I burned down the city of Rome. Haven't you heard what these Christians have been saying on our streets? They've been standing on our street corners preaching that in the future, a big fire of judgment was going to come. We should have listened to them because they were giving us a clue that they were going to burn down the city of Rome. And by the time he was finished, He was so convincing that they believed him. And for the first time in history in the year 64, a governmental persecution began against the church in all the major cities of the Roman Empire. Well, the major cities of the Roman Empire were Rome, Alexandria, Antioch, and Ephesus. Where was Timothy? Timothy was in Ephesus. And now Timothy's church, which was the biggest church in the world until Dr. Cho. Timothy's church probably had about 100,000 members. They were living in amazing revival. But when the fires of persecution came, it began to reveal who really was committed to Christ. And let me tell you, friends, it's easy to serve the Lord when it's easygoing and it costs you absolutely nothing. But when fire comes, it always reveals who people really are. And of course, we're not wishing fire on anybody, but whether you like it or not, fire comes in life. Fire comes to relationships. Fire comes to ministry. Fire comes to business. And it's not fire sent by God. It's just life. Life brings fire. And sometimes the enemy brings fire. And fire always reveals the level of people's commitment. And now Timothy, who has been enjoying being the pastor of the world's biggest church, is discovering that some people he thought would always be with him were just fair-weather believers, including believers that he had raised up to be leaders in his church, and now they were coming saying, Pastor, we never knew our faith was going to come to this, but if we remain faithful, we're going to lose our lives, and they began leaving the church. And now, whereas Timothy before was pastoring the world's biggest church, now he is pastoring the world's biggest church in decline. And not only that, because he is the pastor of the church, he is the most visible Christian in the entire city of Ephesus. And he knows the reality is at any moment there could be a knock on his own door. He could be arrested for his faith. And if the Roman authorities could get their hands on him, he knew They would make his death the most miserable of all in order to make it an example to all of the other believers who had remained faithful. So a spirit of fear has begun to work in this man of God. We know that he had a spirit of fear because Paul says so. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. And by the word, the word spirit means it is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. You can feel fear when it comes in the room. It brings fear with it. It brings panic. And in fact, when he says a spirit of fear, the word fear, the Greek word delia, it describes something that causes you to retreat. Something that causes you to feel the need to protect yourself. You're no longer advancing. Now you are retreating. You're cowering. You're going into hiding. It paralyzes you when you're in ministry because you can't function. It affects your ability to love others. It affects your ability to walk in power. It affects your ability to have a sound mind. Because when a spirit of fear is operating in you, you don't think soundly. You think of everything that could possibly happen to you. You begin to imagine things that could never happen to you, but you begin to imagine them like a movie screen in your mind until you're seized by a spirit of fear and you're paralyzed. And Timothy, as the leader of the church, is paralyzed, he is so hurt by people he thought would always be faithful, walking out on him, that now he's having a hard time giving his heart to others. He can't walk in love because he's dealing with art. He can't walk in the power of God because he's been seized by a spirit of fear. And by the way, the word power that is used in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, the Greek word dunamis, most people say, oh yeah, we know that word. It means dynamite, or it means power, but it's much more than that. That word dunamis is the very Greek word which was used to describe a force of nature, like a hurricane, a tornado, or an earthquake. It is the very same Greek word which was used to describe the full might of the advancing Roman army, which means when the power of God is operative in you, you become like a force of nature. You are a spiritual earthquake. You can shake things up. You become a dynamic spiritual tornado. You become a hurricane that blows things out of the way. And when the power of God is operating correctly in you, you are like a one-man army with a power to force back darkness. But that power working in Timothy had been inhibited because of Fear. fear. And Paul says... God has given you a sound mind, not an unsound mind, and sound mind, my friend, the Greek word sophronismos, from the word sozo, which means to save or to deliver, and the word friend, which is the Greek word for your head, your intelligence, or your brain. When you compound the two words together, the word sound mind, sophronismos really means a delivered head or a delivered brain. It is a mind that is set free of all inhibitions. But Timothy's mind was completely encumbered with fear. He wasn't thinking freely. He was not that force that God wanted him to be. He was not able to choose new leaders because he was so affected by those that heard him. He was not walking in love, power, and a sound mind. And in fact, he was so taken with fear that he's written this letter to Paul. And Paul now can see the teardrops on the letter. And he knows that his son in the faith is in trouble so in verse one he says paul an apostle of jesus christ and what are those two words i told you to underline according to the what the promise of life everybody say life Life. which is in christ jesus The words according to in Greek are the word kata. The word kata describes something that is dominating, subjugating, or conquering. We'll remember that the church at that moment felt like it was being encumbered by a spirit of death on every hand. And now Paul in the first verse makes a declaration. I am dominated, conquered, and subjugated by the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. He begins the epistle with a declaration that we are dominated by life. It doesn't matter how much death is going on around us. Then he says in the next verse, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. Now, when Paul writes most of his epistles, what does he say? He says, grace and peace be unto you. Why does he say grace and peace? Anybody know? You think it's just a theological formula that he concocted? No. How did Jews greet each other? They say, shalom, peace. How do Greeks greet each other? They say, keres, grace. And when Paul said grace, And peace be unto you in his epistles. In one little phrase, he was wrapping his arms around the entire world. To all of you that are Greeks, I say, grace be unto you. To all of you that are Jews, I say, shalom. Grace and peace. He's wrapping his arms around the church, which is neither Jew nor Gentile. We're all mixed up together. And in one statement, he hugs all of us. But in this particular case, he tucked the word mercy between the grace and the peace. And he's writing to a young man that is very overwhelmed by what he's encountering in life. Paul only tucks mercy between the grace and the peace in two letters this letter and in the book of Titus. Well, now why would he tuck mercy? between grace and peace when he wrote to Titus because he had left Titus on the Isle of Crete by himself. And in fact, when you read what Paul writes to Titus, he says, I really left you in the lurch. I kind of abandoned you there, but I need you to finish everything that I didn't finish. I need you to set in order the things that are lacking. And he left them on an island with Cretans. And in Paul's letters, you talk about not being politically correct. Paul said, we know about the Cretans. They're all lazy gluttons and liars. That's what he said about the people of Crete. And so you'll understand how raunchy the people of Crete were when they celebrated weddings. They were known to take the former boyfriend of the bride who's just married a new man, tie him to a team of horses, and drag him behind the funeral party until he died. And that's one of the ways they celebrated their wedding feasts. That's the kind of people the Christians were. Now, how would you like to be left alone on an island like that and be told to set everything in order?
0: (laughs) We are living in a world filled with uncertainty and fear. As an end-time generation, we are facing things we never dreamed we would face and previous generations have not ever had to deal with before. Sometimes it seems like darkness has been unleashed, and as a result, many people have been gripped with fear. Others deal with fear about their finances, their health, their family, their jobs, their future. But you do not have to give in to fear. You can learn to conquer fear and speak faith to yourself. The programs in this series are being offered as a two-message set in digital and physical formats, starting at just $20. And this series, will include two study guides, how to overcome a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to yourself in troubled times. We are also offering Life in the Combat Zone, Rick's classic book that deals extensively with the situation the early church faced during the brutal days of Nero. It was a time when there was betrayal in the church, defections from the ranks, and people were troubled, but they overcame fear and learned to speak faith to themselves. They learned how to survive, thrive, and overcome in difficult situations. And Rick will show you how you can do it too. Life in the Combat Zone is available for $17. Don't miss this special offer, the series, How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times, and the book, Life in the Combat Zone. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
1: Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia, but we're doing it step by step. And today they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But in addition to this, there's gonna be another set over here and another set over there. So many angles and opportunities to film teaching that people can trust in this room. But of course, this is just one room, but I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this room. To think the TV programs with the Word of God are going to be filmed right here. And when I look around this room, you can see this electrical grid that's gonna hold all the lights. It's on electrical pulleys, so it goes up, it goes down. It's just going to have everything we need to film the teaching of the Word of God. But hey, there's more than this. Let me show you. Well, I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now, but this really is gonna be one of the smaller studios. And this is gonna be Denise's studio because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming. And right from this spot, Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world. But hey, there's another set in addition to this one. This is our third studio in this new building. You may say, why do you need three studios? Because we're filming a lot of programs. Right now, we can only film one program at a time. We have to set it up, take it down, but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time. But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices. And in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs, Working with our network. It is amazing the activity that's going to take place in this building. And it's not about buildings, it's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God. But it's your generous gifts that have helped us to build this, and we will complete it. But right now, we're in phase three of our ministry which is paying off our Tulsa ministry headquarters. We want to pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the Word of God around the world. And that's really our goal, to get the gospel and to teach people the Bible all over the world. They're just crying out for it. And they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. My friend, thank you for joining me today. And I'd like to hear from you. Would you please let me personally know what you think about this service which you saw me preach at Eagle Mountain International Church. I rarely travel and preach, and I'd like to have your feedback about how you have responded to what you have heard today. But I want you to have the entire series, which is called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and Speak Faith to Yourself. In troubled times. You know, Denise and I live overseas, and all these years we have faced a lot of threatening circumstances and troubled times. And we've learned to stay free from a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to ourselves. In troubled times this is not theory this will really work for you and that's why I want you to have this two-part series which comes with a marvelous study guide which is filled with all the points and all the principles and the reason we develop these study guides is because of the secret That when you read, while you see and hear, it really puts the truth down deep inside you. And we want this truth to be deep inside you. So order both of these. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. If you feel like you're in the combat zone, this is the book for you. And the subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. You can do it. The greater one lives in you. You just need to know how. That's what you will learn in this wonderful book. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. We do not have to live our lifetime subject to fear. We can be free of fear. And I rebuke the spirit of fear in the life of my friend in the name of Jesus right now. Amen. Well, I thank you for being with me today. But tomorrow we're going to return and we're going to continue my message at Eagle Mountain International Church. But until then, please remember Ecclesiastes 8, 4, which says where the word of a king is,
0: there is power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.